everyone, welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. It's very interesting to be co-hosting a podcast with the person who is certifiably insane, because why else would someone... Not once, not twice, not three, not four, not five, six times subject their body to over 13 miles of running at one time. <laughs> it makes no sense, people. It makes no sense. But congratulations to Ryan for finishing another half marathon, something that I might never do, to be honest. Thank you. I was really wondering where you were headed with that. That was not an auspicious start for me. I'm not sure what was going on there. I'm not the crazy one, so. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. No. You did get a pretty sweet, like, pirate-looking medal, though. That, that, that medal is so sweet, it almost made me want to run a race. Not so this, lie. Is, this is actually relevant the the half marathon that i ran the theme of it was movie madness <laughs> and the medal it was a 5k and a half marathon the movie madness like the 5k medals actually had movie madness and had like movie insignia on it the one for the the half marathon is pirate themed <laughs> <laughs> pirates of the caribbean i guess <laughs> like there's no explanation for it. it's just here it's pirate themed <laughs> 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 nice so hey <laughs> i mean there have been a lot of pirate movies so i guess it fits i guess it fits sure. why not <laughs> sure <laughs> hey what are we gonna do with these leftover pirate medals ah movie madness marathon <laughs> yeah so that happened <laughs> <laughs> all right we have a great show in store for you and if you like the Film for Fans podcast, do us a favor, rate, subscribe, and share it with your friends. If you do, you too will have a pirate medal. Mm. If you don't, I will force you to train to run a half marathon. (laughs) (laughs) You'll enjoy it, I tell (laughs) you. Okay, so on this episode, we will talk Mads Michelson joining Indiana Jones. We'll give you all the Fast 9 updates. And we'll have open discussion and we'll talk about transitioning between age brackets as an actor. So that should be interesting. And of course, our watch list. Rob, are you ready to get started? I'm so ready. Okay, let's do it. All right, our first story is the report that Indiana Jones 5 is adding a new cast member. And that is the amazing Mads Michelson. He will be joining Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and others for Indiana Jones 5. Um, I don't know about you. I'm stoked about this. Also stoked that John Williams is officially on to do the score, which, of course, is a necessity. But I actually really like, like Mads Michelson. I think he's a fantastic actor, and he is underutilized. Of course, some of his most famous roles was uh, in uh, Casino Royale uh, as Le Chief in Casino Royale. He was excellent in that. He was fantastic as Hannibal Lecter in the TV series Hannibal. Uh, But he's also been in a number of other movies and 
Uh, he's, he's really stellar. So this, this is exciting to me. Um, hopefully this movie will erase the memory of uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull or the movie that Rob refuses to acknowledge. I do think it's very strange that Mads Michelson is being cast in Indiana Jones 5 when there was never an Indiana Jones 4. <laughs> Keep on with the denial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, I co-sign the excitement about uh, him being in this. As you said, uh, you have the perfect descriptor of him. He is underutilized. And, you know, hopefully this will be much better than the movie that shall not be named. And uh, he'll get some recognition for it. Nice. Yeah, and uh, this movie is set to start production this summer. They're still working out some of the final roles on that. And it is slated to debut a little more than a year from now in end of July, 2022. So I think, I think it's going to be good. And I am trusting that this will be a fantastic movie and just continuing right on from the tradition left to us by the first three movies. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yes, Mads Michelson joining the cast, which is an excellent addition. John Williams, it's going to be great. So make sure we'll definitely be continuing to follow along with the story of Indiana Jones 5. Which, by the way, which one is your favorite? Of the original three, which one is your favorite? <clears throat> and that's a hard question to answer because I like all of them. Uh, but probably the Temple of Doom, just because I love how absolutely insane bonkers it is when they actually get into the temple <laughs> and people are like ripping people's hearts out of their bodies while they're still alive. And we've got lava, we've got elephants rampaging through the jungle, we've got short round. Who doesn't love short round? Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Temple of Doom has to be my favorite, probably. It may or may not have something to do with the fact that it was definitely the one my parents liked the least and didn't want me to watch. Uh, so probably, yeah, that had something to do with it also. See, that's interesting because it's probably my least favorite because I've seen it the least because of the same reasons <laughs> my parents like it. So I wasn't allowed to watch it too much. Ah, <laughs> oh, fascinating. No, for me, it's The Last, uh, the last Crusade. I, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but The Last Crusade is it. That interplay between uh, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford is just fantastic. Junior! <laughs> Junior! We <laughs> come through the door, Dad! <laughs> All right. So, yes, we will get a new installment, and this, this will be fantastic. All right. On to our next story. So for our next story, there has been a lot of buzz and a lot of news articles over the last week or two surrounding Fast 9, the ninth installment of the Fast and the Furious series. The new trailer dropped, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, the new trailer dropped on Wednesday. And so there's all kinds of stuff out there. There's multiple Justin Lin interviews, the director of Fast 9. Uh, interviews with some of the cast members. And so there's all kinds of things out surrounding this movie. Rob, do you get a chance to watch the trailer by any chance? I did. Uh, it's surprisingly understated. Um, <laughs> there are 
cars flying off of cliffs. There's cars in outer space. Um, you know, your normal run-of-the-mill stuff you see every day. Cars being magnetized to each other and thrown through buildings. Ho-hum. Uh, I don't know how, but every single movie in this series gets crazier. Yes. I, I don't understand how it's possible, but it just... Also John Cena, although I didn't quite see him. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. The best part of the trailer and the best part of this movie, though, is the return of Han because... Mm -hmm. Uh, my favorite character in the series by a lot. I think he's a lot of people's favorite character in the series. Yes, for sure. So when when he was, they, they talked about it in the article, how when uh, they debuted the original trailer, the reaction to it was immediate, just like spread all over the world. And it's no surprise because I know my reaction when I saw it was, oh, <laughs> pretty sure it was exactly that. Pretty sure I made that noise. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah understated is is the correct word for for this it's i i will give i will give this series credit everyone knows what they're in for everyone absolutely knows what they're getting the fans know what they want and the every single one of these movies delivers exactly what the fans want um, there's just, there's something, there's something fascinating and something great about being able to constantly deliver that and to be able to continue doing this every single time. So of course the revelations are, as you mentioned, John Cena is playing Dom, Dom's brother, the Jacob. long lost brother that we've never heard of before. <laughs> Weird how you've never heard of him in the entire life story that we've heard of Dom in the movie so far. Especially with the emphasis Dom places on family. Yeah, I guess, you know, <laughs> some family more than others. Yeah. So almost basically all the cast are returning, including Han, which is fantastic. Um, I wonder how they're going to spin this one. Of course, multiple cast members have died and returned. So, I mean, you know. Pretty soon, before the end of this, everyone will have died and come back to life. It is really a soap opera with guns and fast cars. Yes. So mm -hmm. there's no surprises. And it was also not a surprise that they are somehow taking this into space. Because if you can't break enough laws of physics on the Earth, you have to go to outer spray space and break a few more laws of physics. I'm actually I'm, I'm excited for this because this will be the first... Uh, main series Fast and the Furious movie I will see when it first comes out because uh, those who are watching may not know this but before Hobbs and Shaw I had never seen any of the Fast and the Furious movies <laughs> so that was the first one I saw and then I went back and watched I think we watched all of them in about two months we just got them out of the library like week after week and uh, you know I, I went in expecting to hate every bit of it and i walked out like shame sh shamelessly liking a terrible action franchise yeah. you know i mean i'm excited to see this one i, know, I care I, know. I care about the characters for no apparent reason because like you said there's no rules around them they can do whatever they want so why would i care but i do i don't know and that's the fascinating thing about it is i'm excited too i'm excited to see this movie 
And, and that's what's so great about the franchise is that it, I think it almost intentionally does not take itself so seriously. Like it knows what it is and it knows that it's just going to give you absolutely ridiculous action that makes no sense. And that completely, you have to suspend your disbelief entirely in order to make it work. And yet you're like, cool. Like the magazines <laughs> where they're blowing, they're, they're, they're blowing cars like hundreds of yards away with the magnets. And, I mean, I don't even know how they're going to explain that, but I kind of want to see it. I want to see it in action. Yeah, I think the whole, uh, the whole uh, arc and, you know, what happened in real life with Paul Walker, uh, it did, it, you know, you, you never wanted that to happen. You never want to see someone pass. Uh, but I think for the series, it provided a level of emotional weight that, you know, it's, it's, it's present in little bits in the earlier movies. It's not non-existent, but after that moment, like especially the movie with the farewell between him and mm. uh, Dom, there's just a different level of emotion involved in the whole series, and it actually gives it some weight. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of heart behind it, and there are some genuinely heartfelt moments in some of these in some of these movies, and I think they do a good job of they do a good job of honoring the legacy without without really making it seem like they're trying to cash in on it and that can be difficult to do sometimes so i also liked how uh, justin lynn the director talked about um trying to reconcile slash fill in some of the mental gap when it comes to jason statham's character in this series because in the series canonically he killed Han, and we like Han a lot. So it would stand to reason that we would hate Jason Statham's character with every fiber of our being. And yet in Hobbs and Shaw, he's like the funny, wisecracking guy who we want to succeed, even though he's a complete jerk. <laughs> so perhaps uh, resurrecting Han will allow us to get rid of some of those awkward feelings of not wanting to like him, but still rooting for him to succeed. Cause I, I have almost no doubts there will be another Hobbs and Shaw movie, at least one more. Yeah. Uh, so we want to be able to like him. <laughs> well, and I think that was always one of the non sequiturs in the series was the fact that Jason Statham's character basically becomes part of the cast and becomes part of, basically becomes a good guy. And there's almost no mention of the fact that he killed Han. And that, that always struck me as being one element that was just a bridge too far. And so it is, it is good that they're gonna, that they're trying to do something about that to a degree. Well, like you said, they can literally do whatever they want. So mm -hmm. why, why not bring them back to life? Ah, <laughs> uh, this is great. So uh, Fast and the Furious 9 coming in June, end of June. It's almost oh. here, man. And also, they said in one of the articles that uh, Lynn will be directing 10 and 11, and it said, which will be the end of the core series, which I, you know, immediately turned my phone off and just laughed for about five minutes. <laughs> I know, right? It's a good joke. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Vin Diesel is just going to be sitting around and be like, let's make another one. They'll be like, all yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> And you're not, 
be fast enough to be fast. I don't care. <laughs> well, and it's like, it, it seems like a lot of these characters don't really age that much. I mean, they're all bald anyway, as we determined <laughs> in our bald game uh, a number of weeks ago. Every <laughs> single character in this show is bald, so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Tyrese has not aged literally a single day since the first appearance in the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. And even Dom himself doesn't look, I mean, he obviously looks older, but we're, I mean, the guy can still lift the house, so. I mean, we all, we we're all excited about Han. Let's not uh, gloss over the fact that Bow Wow is back as well. So Bow Wow is back, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently you will see at least some footage of, of Brian in this one. Yeah, so they showed another thing. Uh, Dom looking at a video screen of Paul Walker's character, Brian in the trailer yeah so we shall see but i am i'm looking forward to it i i think it's going to be fun and i anticipate going to see it in theaters and having a good time okay so i, I have to throw one more story in and i don't really want to take this story seriously but i was looking through some articles and I just had to laugh at the utter ridiculousness of this headline. Like if you could combine every single thing that just <laughs> encapsulates some of the, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this, this headline. There's so much meat in this headline. It, it's so well written. It's so fantastic that it just deserves a minute or two of breakdown. Uh, so this is an article from EW.com, and, and I would just I would just read the headline. TikTok star Addison Ray has been method acting for the She's All That remake. <laughs> I, I, let me I have to read it. TikTok star Addison Ray has been method acting for the She's All That remake. Well, let's not gloss over the fact that it's actually a gender-bent remake called He's All That. So we got that going for us. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if, you can't, if you can't get a more like Gen Z, like pop culture headline, I don't, I don't know what else. I mean, this is so ridiculous. First of all, you've got your TikTok star. Okay, that starts off. You've got that one level. And then you find out that they're method acting. Okay, this now this has to be a serious role. I mean, method acting. We think method, Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, the great roles that win you Oscars. What incredible movie must she be spending all this time method acting for? She's all that. The He's remake. All that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean method acting for this movie well it said that she has gone as far as to ask her family to call her by her character's name at all times so you know that that never gets awkward or weird for anyone uh like jared leto in the joker uh yeah uh i i i just don't know exactly where you have to go mentally that you're not <laughs> if you're this person to to be able to act appropriately as the character you're playing kind of feel like 
they already might be that person. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, I can only imagine the depths to which these characters will delve. I mean, if there is a, I, I don't know how you, you can act deeply enough to do justice to a movie like this in a remake. I, I just, you know, it's, it's a bridge too far. We need to have Gary Oldman and Daniel Day-Lewis join this cast because I need to see, it. We, we need to see all the deep method acting going on. Yes, I just don't know, without them, I'm not sure that you can accurately make a remake that that's even worth producing. Is it possible that Addison Rae is actually Gary Oldman in makeup? Hmm. Now that would be some method acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> All right. I just, I, I'm sorry. I, I just had to throw that in there because I read this headline. I'm like, this is too much. This is absolutely too much. Well, I really hope this doesn't get, uh, you know, forwarded to her by our three people who watch it because that would be <laughs> embarrassing for us. Hey, more power to her. I, 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 I respect the fact that she's given it her all. I mean, more power to you. Uh, I know I'll almost certainly be watching this because my wife loves the first movie, so. Okay. So you will have <laughs> to tell us how Addison Rae's performance is. Oh, I will report back from the front lines. Up. The front lines of deep acting and Oscar winning. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on. We don't have to spend any more time on that. Uh, so for our first discussion item, um, I thought we would I thought we would tackle this. This, this came up... Um, as a result of, of reading an article about uh, Carrie Ann Moss, and she was talking about how difficult it can be sometimes for female actors as they age, and how difficult it is for, for that transition to roles. And, um, and she was saying, you know, I always heard that it was difficult uh, once you turn 40. And then the day after my 40th birthday, I get a script to play a grandmother. And I thought, okay. I get it. Uh, but it got me thinking. It got me thinking about this. And I wanted to, I thought we'd spend a little bit of time discussing this. The difficulty of transitioning as an actor uh, between age roles. And, and there are some very clear lines like child actor to being an adult actor or being kind of the, the young hot star to being like a middle age actor or then that transition from middle age actor to being the old man or the old woman actor. And all of those are difficult in their own right. So what, what do you think? How, how difficult do you think it is? And, and which, which of those categories do you think probably possesses the, the most difficulty when it comes to um, making that? What, Kind of what makes what makes it difficult uh, to transition? In these I roles? think the most difficult by a lot is to transition from being a child actor to an adult actor, just because you see scores of kids who are in movies who never do anything after. Yeah. For some, it becomes a thing of they realize they don't actually want to act, and that's perfectly fine. Not everyone who acts in the movie has to act their whole life. Yeah. Um, some people grow up and just are not talented enough <laughs> to continue acting at a high level. Um, I think even if you're looking at 
uh, people who start as like teens or preteens somewhere in there. Um, I think one example of this might be like Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape and some of the other stuff that he did transitioning into becoming an adult. And I do think that for some of his movies, uh, Titanic included, he might not have been taken as seriously or looked at with the respect that he deserved really for his acting because people knew him from this other stuff and didn't see him as this grown up. Um, Shia LaBeouf would be another example to me of this, like with Holes and then the other stuff he went on to do. Uh, I think it can be hard for people to have a lot of success and then either continue to be motivated or continue to work hard to stay where they are at. And for some people, it's just too much and they can't handle it. Um, mm -hmm. The biggest example I can think of for this is Jake Lloyd uh, from The Phantom Menace, who was so overwhelmed with the reaction to the movie. And unfortunately, a lot of it was uh, people who are very negative um, towards him and how he did in the movie. I know that they reported that he got made fun of a lot of school and um, basically drove him to have serious mental problems that he's not been able to recover from and uh, obviously never acted it again in a big movie. Yeah. Um, it can be too much for some people. So I, I think the transition from child actor, especially child actor star, to continue on is really difficult. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that one is probably the most difficult. I mean, even the some of the ones who who did it successfully didn't do it without a lot of problems. Uh, Drew Barrymore being a classic example who has detailed a lot of her issues um, as being a famous child actor, but how she was eventually able to turn that around and become a successful adult actor. Um, we've seen Kirsten Dunst has, has done it and some other ones as well. But it is, it, is, it is probably the hardest of the transitions and very, very few make it. Um, but I think, it, I think one of the things that makes it so difficult is because the way the industry works, you, you get sent scripts for specific roles. So people have to see you in a, in a specific light. And so to change, to change, essentially to change Hollywood's opinion of how they see you and get them to see you in a different light is difficult. Um, I was, when I was reading Matthew McConaughey's memoir, this is one of the things he did was he said, I'm no longer going to do romantic comedies. I don't want to do them anymore. And Hollywood just saw him as a romantic comedy actor. And so he just kept getting sent scripts and scripts and scripts for these. And sometimes they were, he talks about the one where they started out at 5 million and they kept wanting him and wanting him. They kept pushing it up to 16 million and he kept having to say no. <laughs> and, and so then, then Hollywood went dark for a couple of years on him until he started coming back with some of his more dramatic roles. But it took a long time for other people to consider him in a different role. And so I think that's one of the most difficult things for an actor trying to make a transition or just an actor who's gotten older to that point is allowing Hollywood to see you in a different light. Yeah, I think even if you're looking at a transition from established adult actor to successful and believable 
older actor or actress, that's another difficult transition. And one person who I think has done that very well is Michael Caine, mm. uh, because Michael Caine was a movie star in his own right back in the uh, 60s and 70s. Yeah. And has since transitioned into that wizened older man, uh, man of the world kind of character in a lot of different movies. And he carries a gravitas to him and a believability as this person who has a lot of experience and knows how to handle things. And back that back uh, when he was younger, he was more of like an action star kind of person, yeah. leading man. Uh, I think part of the difficulty of that transition might be going from being the main focus of everything to just being a side character, just being Alfred, you know, not being the main part of the movie but i do think that the reason why he's been so successful and some others like patrick stewart um and others morgan freeman another one they succeed because they devote and give as much energy and effort to every role even if it's not their name on top of the poster when the movie comes out mm -hmm. i think there also has to be a sense in which you have to embrace you have to embrace your the change yourself you have to embrace the roles yourself i can think about like if you give a sports analogy they've been talking i'm, a, I'm an atlanta braves fan and we have pablo sandoval this year and pablo sandoval is a guy who was a big time star when he was younger and now it's transitioned into a bench role. And they talk about how that's, that transition is very difficult. And the only people who succeed are the ones who say, okay, I'm gonna embrace it. I am now this. And I think it's probably similar with, with actors in the sense that they have to embrace, oh, I'm gonna get this type of role now. I cannot get the lead in a romantic comedy anymore type role. Um, I can, I can remember for me, the first, Carrie Ann Moss was actually one of the first times I considered this transition because you go for, she's like the, the action star in the matrix. And, and then I see her a, a number of years later playing the mom in Disturbia. And I was like, oh, Carrie Ann Moss is now playing mothers <laughs> and mm -hmm. mothers of a teenager, you know? And I was thinking, Oh, I guess, I guess that's, I guess that's accurate. Yeah. Okay. I just, I had never seen her in, I had never considered her in that, in that way until I saw that movie. Uh, so I think that's, I think it's interesting that um, you have to be able to be believable in those roles and commit to them. And there's also a drop off too in talent. Like I think there's also a talent factor where you have to be able to then play those other roles well, and not everyone can do it. Yeah, certain transition is never easy when it comes to acting. Mm -hmm. And it does seem like, and it does seem like this, uh, some of these transitions are more difficult for female actors than they than they are sometimes for male actors because there is uh, a natural increased. Um, influence on their appearance which you know is difficult for sure and uh in the article carrie ann talks about um some of the pressures they have about getting surgery and those type of things and so none of that stuff is really good yeah definitely not so but it's interesting 
and and something that I thought would be fun to talk about. So now let's move on to our second our second thing, which we're we're trying something new. We're trying open discussion. So we've not talked about what we're going to talk about in this segment. We just thought, hey, let's see. Are, are there any other movie thoughts that you have, or things that you would like to bring up for discussion uh, for a few minutes that that we haven't covered or that that have popped into your head? So Rob, why don't you why don't you give us a topic here? No, I'm all out of movie thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's something I was thinking about, and this is based broadly on one of the movies I'm going to talk about that I watched this mm. week. Uh, but I won't talk about that movie as I talk about this, so I'll save that. Uh, just the general question, when you go to a movie in the theater, is it necessary to have an enjoyable experience? And by that, I mean, is it necessary to leave feeling good? Because I think about movies like The Little Things, which came out recently, mm-hmm. that leave you with things not concluded in a satisfactory way. Mm-hmm. Or I think about another movie that you and I saw together in the theater, The Goldfinch, which when you leave makes you feel kind of uncomfortable and a little empty. <laughs> um, those kind of movies, where, where do they fit when it comes to the movie going experience? They're obviously not for everyone, but for you personally, how do you feel about that kind of emotional experience when you go to the theater where you leave not entirely satisfied and not entirely like thinking positive thoughts. Another example of this obviously would be Joker uh, Mm -hmm. with Phoenix when I think about recent movies. Yeah, I would say it depends. It depends. And and it might depend on maybe partially my expectation going in. So am I prepared for it? I think another part of it is, did I feel like, is it a is the negative emotion that I'm feeling productive? Do I feel like it's productive? I can remember feeling really uncomfortable after coming out of the Joker. And I was like, did I even like that movie? You know, did I feel okay with that movie? And I felt deeply uncomfortable about it, but it was a thoughtful, it was a thoughtful uncomfortableness. Like I could, I could sense the mastery level of that movie but was I okay with it so it forced me to contemplate what it was that I was feeling and how it was I was feeling so I I felt like that was a worthwhile experience um similarly to some, some of the other ones you mentioned however I don't like movies where the whole objective is to make you feel horrible um I can remember there was a movie, what was it called? Um, I saw it in theaters once, uh, Running With Scissors, I think. Mm. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated it so badly. Like I wanted the movie to be over so I could start feeling good about life again. <laughs> and I get that that was probably some of the point because it was a semi-autobiographical story of this guy, but I hate it. Like I was just, I felt miserable and oh, and I, it was a terrible experience and I didn't want it. I didn't want anything to do with it. So I think, I think it depends on whether I feel like it's a productive negative emotion, if that makes any sense. So this might sound 
like contradictory, but sometimes when I leave a movie like that, I'm not feeling good, but I'm still experiencing joy because for me, I like when a movie accomplishes what it's trying to do. And if a movie is supposed to make me really think and contemplate what the message means if it's brought to its like ultimate conclusion and I see that it was done well and that there are moments in the movie that are not entirely 100% depressing. Um, like even in Joker, there are moments where you're like empathetic towards the character. There are moments when you're laughing with him. Um, but there are also like real deep lows. Uh, but I left that movie feeling like that, that emotion like I'm describing where I felt really devastated by what I saw, but at the same time, I felt joyful in the fact that it was executed so well. And there's absolutely a German word for this somewhere that I don't know. That's probably a thousand syllables long. Mm, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're going for. And it's, it's like on the tip of my tongue. I can't quite get it. Mm, okay, yeah. If I remember it, I'll think about it. Yeah. How about you? What do you what do you uh, what are you thinking about when it comes to movies? So here's here's my here's my thought. As you know, uh, and if you've been listening to the podcast, I've been going through a lot of '90s action movies, and one of the things that happens when you take a genre of movies and you just take a you take a dive a deep dive into them is certain things that you didn't see when you were just watching them piecemeal or when you just hit one here or there start popping out to you and one of the things that popped out to me watching 90s action movies was the role the fall of the soviet union hmm. played in action movies because if you if you know your history um soviet union collapsed in 1991 and while what we know now is, is it wasn't as sudden a collapse as it seemed, but it really seemed like overnight the Soviet Union collapsed. And they were, they were this world superpower and they were our, our visceral enemy. And in the wake of the collapse of the Soviet Union, there was this un, unease about what is going to happen with Russia in the aftermath. And it was fascinating to watch that dynamic play out through the, through the genre of 90s action movies. I mean, it's littered all over the place from The Saint to The Peacemaker to Air Force One. I mean, at the end of that genre, but it's all to over. Every 90s James Bond movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just, it's amazing the influence that, that that particular event had on that genre of movies. Uh, and it was fascinating to see that play out over a decade's worth of, of excellent action movies. So my, my, that's partly, if you want to comment on that, you can, but partially what I'm, my discussion item is, have you ever had that where you, you've taken a look at a specific genre, maybe it was a time period, maybe it was a certain type of film, where you've been able to pull out something that you didn't realize was characteristic of that of that particular era or style or anything like that. Well, I will say that uh, first of all, in reference to what you brought up with the '90s action movies, that 
it makes me think of the uh, the saying in Hollywood that the only people we allow to smoke in the movies are the RAVs, Russians, Arabs, and villains. <laughs> and uh, it's very much out of that genre. Like the bad guy is always one of those things. Yeah. Um, but one, one movie genre I think of when I think about an overarching theme, and I think this goes all the way back to like 2001 A Space Odyssey and forward, looking at science fiction movies that are about exploration. Mm-hmm. I think almost always these movies are about what the outside influences will do to us when we encounter them, whether it's us meeting them or them meeting us. And I, I, uh, the interaction that humanity has with whatever force they're coming up against and almost always triumphing is very interesting to me and when i contrast it with there are a couple things that i would contrast it with that i think the reason these movies are so good is because there are except they are exceptions to the rule of humanity like succeeding now we're not talking about necessarily like disaster end of the world movies because in a lot of those a lot of people die but um more like close encounter movies i guess you would say that some of the movies that don't fit into this are the alien series mm-hmm. one because there's so much that is lost by the people who encounter the aliens even moving forward to prometheus um you know some people don't like that movie but i think it stands up very well as an extension of the series yeah mainly because and the reason why i think that is because of this exact reason that i think tone tonally it fits into the series with the feeling of like hopelessness or we can't we don't have the answer to beat this thing that's coming after us which i think is the whole overarching theme of that entire series uh and then i look at two recent movies that i think really stand out as contrasting this idea of humanity's triumph and those two movies are gravity and uh ad astra Mm. i think of gravity because it's the movie ends up really being about one person's struggle to live, to survive. She ends up surviving, but there's so much uh, tension, drama, loses people along the way that she goes through. And it's very much a human focused story. Um, It's not about going out and meeting like anyone from outer space. It's about finding yourself and finding the desire and will to, it's really, I think it's a really about um, the triumph of the human spirit is the idea of the main idea of the movie about finding the strength within yourself to survive, which is an entirely different thing we can talk about sometime because I think one of the main narratives that's pushed in Hollywood, which is very interesting, although this is not um, a faith-based podcast, we are both faith-based people, and to see that narrative pushed in a lot of media that you can do everything on your own is very interesting to me. Uh, especially contrasted with the fact that a lot of mental health people, regardless of their beliefs or not, are now saying you can't do it on your own, which I find to be quite fascinating. Um, but the other, the other movie I mentioned was Ad Astra. And that movie stands out to me so much and had such an impact on me because 
in almost all of these movies where they are exploring space, they go out and they find the thing. And then the question is, how do we beat this thing? And in Ad Astra, spoiler alert, if you have not seen it, they go out and find that there's nothing, which I think is scarier, to be honest. Because I think as humans, we want to, whether we're deep into the weeds of believing that there are other species in existence in the universe. There's something within all of us, and there's a reason that science fiction is so popular that we want to explore that, we want to know that. And so to get there and realize that there's actually nothing, we're by ourselves. Uh, that movie just does that so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And the interaction that Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones' character have on the ship when they're together is just it's like heartrending. Yeah. Because it's that logical conclusion of if I go as far as I can go and there's nothing out there, all I have is myself. And what does that mean for me? And uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm fascinated by science fiction as a whole. And I just, mm-hmm. I love when movies step out of that like triumph of humanity and look at like, parts of our character aspects of who we are as people that we may not necessarily be thrilled about. Yeah. I think you're right on about this. And I think one of the reasons, I think there are people who, there are some legitimate people who, who don't like science fiction, but I think, I think some people don't like it because they don't understand that, that, they're really vehicles for exploring humanity. Like, like space movies, as, as they explore space, what you're actually exploring is you're exploring humanity and you're exploring the depth of humanity. This is one of the things that has always made Star Trek so good is that it's, as you interact with the unknown, it, ref, it's, it acts as a mirror reflected up, up to you as to, what it is that humanity is facing. And so I, I've always thought, found that fascinating, especially when it can be done in, in a, a nuanced way, in a, in a thought-provoking way. And the movies you mentioned are certainly examples of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I would challenge every, everybody, if you have time, just pick out like your favorite genre or just a couple of years worth of movies and see what you can find because there's no doubt that uh, movies are all made with a message in mind and there's always intent behind them. They're not just entertainment. Mm-hmm. So the question you have to ask yourself is what are the people who made this trying to make me think, feel, or believe something you should always ask yourself when you're watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah doesn't mean you have to agree with what they're trying to make you think, feel, or believe, but it's good to know what it is. This is true. This is very true. See, we're getting, you get good information. You get good insight into, into podcasts. It'll help make you a better human on this podcast. Mm. <laughs> and we also, you know, we, we have this deep discussion and we also talk about TikTok stars method acting. So you get it all here. <laughs> yeah. Where else are you going to go for this level of content here? <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, I think that was a pretty successful start to our open discussion segment. Um, let's move on to watch list. 
and we'll talk about movies that we watched this past week. Um, I'll go first on this one. So I watched uh, The Kingsman, and Kingsman is um, it's a it's a good movie. It's a movie about an independent spy agency, and starring um, it's it's uh, Edgerton is his last name and Joel. Joel. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was I whether it was Joel or if it was his brother. I can't. I couldn't remember which one the which one it was. But anyway, yeah, sorry. That, and he plays basically a delinquent kid who whose father was killed in an attempt when he was younger in an attempt to uh, join the Kingsmen. And so the Kingsmen is this secret clandestine independent spy agency. And so it's the story of this kid as he attempts to uh, go through the tryouts for this spy agency. Now, the cool oh, thing- Oh, by the way, I was wrong. It is Taryn. Taryn, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I thought Joel might've been his brother, but I yeah. I wasn't sure. Okay, Taryn Edgerton, yes, that, that sounds familiar. All right. Uh, so what, what's cool about this movie is of course, spies. And so you get all the, the requisite things you need in spy movies. You get gadgets, you got intrigue, you got mystery, you got misdirection. Uh, but there are some flat out ridiculous action sequences in, in this movie. Um, their opening the opening bar fight scene is fantastic uh where it starts where he just takes an umbrella grabs a beer mug and just uses the umbrella to sling a beer mug into somebody's head and it was on from there uh just over the top violent in action sequences but that is far surpassed by the uh fight scene in the uh cult church about midway through the movie where they unleash a, a test case for the bad guy unleashes a test case for a virus that makes everyone go nuts. And let's just say brutal, absolutely brutal. Uh, but it's a fun movie and I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, I know you've seen this one as well. What, what, what do yeah, you- I'm, I'm a big fan of the series and uh, interested to see what the new one brings to the table obviously it's more looking back at the history of the organization but i'm excited to see more about it yeah and uh one more i'll, I'll go with um i watched the proposal with my wife uh this past weekend uh so the proposal starring ryan reynolds and sandra bullock it has the uh wonderfully believable plot point of her being a canadian citizen who's about ready to get deported for her visa expiring and basically blackmails Ryan Reynolds into marrying her, attempting to marry her so that she can stay in the country. That is also humorous because Ryan Reynolds is in fact Canadian. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed he is. (laughs) So that is kind of, uh, that is kind of interesting. So, um, it, it is actually a funny movie. It has a lot of funny moments. I think one of the underrated cool things about this movie is the fact that Ryan Reynolds' family is supposedly living in Alaska. And so they have to travel to Alaska for the weekend to tell uh, his family that they're, they're getting married. And what's great about it is that they arrive in Alaska during the summer months. And during the summer months in Alaska, it's basically daylight for 24 hours a day. 
I mean, the sun kind of dips kind of to the edge of the horizon and then comes back up. And they have a number of scenes that show this, but they don't make a big deal out of it. It's just kind of there in the background. And so I thought it was really cool how they subtly brought in that unique aspect of that part of the country without having to spend a ton of time on it. I mean, there's a scene where she's about ready to send her books about ready to go to bed. And she's like, oh man, the sun's still in my face. <laughs> and so then he hits a remote and the blinds close, you know, the, the blackout blinds close down. Or there's just a scene where it just shows the sun going real low and then coming back up. So they just do a couple of nice subtle things uh, to, to kind of display the coolness of that. Uh, but I thought the interaction between the characters is is fun and interesting, and and there are some pretty there are some pretty good scenes in it. I've not seen that one, so I should maybe propose that mm -hmm. I watch it with my wife. Yes, I I think if you if you watch this with your wife, you'll enjoy it. You'll both enjoy it. Would you watch? Uh, so I was talking earlier about how movies can make us feel uncomfortable, and the first movie I want to talk about, I watched two movies that are getting a lot of buzz as award season uh, has been kicking off. Uh, Promising Young Woman is the first movie I watched. And I would say, first of all, if you are someone who has uh, any kind of sexual abuse in your history or have deep ties to someone who does, this movie might not be for you. Uh, not that anything is shown overtly, but the entire idea of the movie is based on a woman trying to seek revenge for her friend being abused and it's a topic that's very hard to talk about and um carrie mulligan plays the main uh actress in the movie um the one who's trying to get revenge for her friend she plays a young woman named cassie who dropped out of medical school because of her friend nina's experience which drove Nina um, to not want to be alive anymore is the general feeling you get through the movie. They never explicitly say that, but um, it's really, it's, it's hard. Uh, it brings up a lot of questions of can people actually change if they're involved in something that is that horrific or will they always be the same person? Uh, Another person who is in this movie and does a phenomenal job is Bo Burnham. Uh, if you do not know who that is, it would not be too much a surprise because he's pretty much been just a comedian to this point. But he is a young guy, I think he's still in his early 20s, who released a couple of specials uh, comedy-wise before he even turned 20 that were phenomenally successful. Uh, he's very funny, very witty. And... He proved in this movie that he's also an actor, and I was very impressed by his performance. Uh, he's also like six foot six and a giant of a person, and they actually make fun of it in the one scene as they're walking down the street. He has his arm around Cassie, and he says, I always worry about kissing the girl I'm without on a date and someone yelling from behind, stop kissing that child. <laughs> 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 and she goes have you tried not being tall <laughs> which is a great response um also of note bo burnham has been cast as larry bird in an upcoming movie which i find 
fascinating. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But he's definitely proven in the, in promising a woman that he can act. And like I said, it's a movie that makes you feel uncomfortable emotions and is not entirely satisfying because the reality is there's no, as much as she is striving to fix what happened to her friend, there's no fixing it. There's no fixing something like that. And I, I found it fascinating. There's one scene, uh, Molly Shannon is in this movie as well, and she plays the mom of Nina. And at one point, she just says to Cassie, you just have to let it go. We've let it go. You have to let it go. Or it's going to destroy you. And I won't give away what happens, but it's a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, the other movie I watched that has been getting a lot of buzz around awards talk is News of the World with Tom Hanks. And I would highly recommend this. And I would go as far as to say, I think it's in my top five Tom Hanks performances I've ever seen. And uh, that's saying quite a bit, if you know anything about Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, it is a Western. Um, Tom Hanks plays a gentleman who goes around to different towns. And as this is before the advent of the phone or radio or any other method of communication, he goes to different towns, buys a whole bunch of newspapers from different places and reads them to people for a dime each. They can come in and listen to him read the news of the world. And it's fascinating to me how stories from other places can unite and motivate people to want to better themselves and to want to care for each other in a different way. And it's really done expertly in this movie, directed by Paul Greengrass, who, um, if you know anything about Jason Bourne, you know that name, and uh, scored by James Newton Howard. So this movie has quite a bit of quality yeah. <laughs> involved in the production and uh it shows there's a whole lot of live action as one one of the things i found fascinating tom hanks said we were never once in the studio for this movie everything mm -hmm. they did was shot outside and he said the one thing about being in some of these scenes when you are hiding out in rocks in a shootout with other people. Sometimes the only way you can feel what it's like to have that scrape on the knee and that shortness of breath is to actually scrape your knee and to have a shortness of breath. <laughs> and if that doesn't tell you uh, what you need to know about Tom Hanks as someone who is committed to being a good actor, I, I don't know what else to tell you. The guy is just phenomenal. He's it, it, it is very, there are very few actors where it is impossible, I think, to state how good they actually are. And I feel like he is one of those people. Yeah. And this movie, he does a great job. There's also a young girl in this movie who um, portrays a young German girl who is kidnapped by Indians and raised by Indians for the next six years of her life. So when Tom Hanks comes upon her, she thinks she's an Indian, but she is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed German girl, but she doesn't remember German. She doesn't know any English, and the whole movie is really about communication between them as he has to return her to her family, her German family, and things go on from there, and there's that's not quite the end of the story. Uh, 
but I found I found it fascinating. And they did mention this in the special features after the movie. The way that you are able to take a movie that is set in the 1800s, but still have it resonate with themes of social justice and togetherness that people are trying to bring across today was really fascinating. To me. There's like no overt like you know, Black Lives Matter or anything like that. But there is the message that everyone needs to take care of each other. And we see this just in some of the different towns he goes through and some of the stories he tells people and their reactions to them and their reactions to the people that are in power over them. Um, there's just a lot. And there's also quite a bit of humor in the movie too. And uh, News of the World, I would recommend. I know that News of the World and Promising Young Woman you can both get at Redbox. Uh, right now so if you want to watch either of those get them for a couple bucks and check them out excellent excellent so we'll wrap up today with our recommendations so we'll just give you a film that we think that you should see so i'm gonna one, i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat um okay. and give you three really quick because okay. they're just the same series have at so it as you know, a while ago, I watched The Scorpion King. Oh, I watched The Mummy movies and The Scorpion King. And I was told by my good friend Val that there actually exist other Scorpion King movies that I didn't know were a thing. Uh, Netflix, uh, a few days ago, added Scorpion King 2, 3, and 4 to their catalog. And I'm not necessarily recommending them to you in the sense that you need to watch these movies as much as I'm going to watch these movies this week and it would be a great pleasure to me if someone else would watch them and feel the potential pain and agony that I will be enduring. <laughs> so if you have Netflix, please watch Scorpion King two through four with me. Well, if you can't respond to that kind of recommendation, I don't know. You're, <laughs> you're just dead inside. I've actually been told they're better than the first one. So I guess we'll see. Well, I mean, the bar is low, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, the one I'm going to recommend this week uh, is October Sky. Mm. It's a great, it's a great movie about uh, a group of kids in a coal mining town in West Virginia who uh, don't have a lot of prospects, don't have a lot of hope, but the one kid decides he gets this dream that he wants to build model rockets, and. He encourages his friends and the, all of them get together and attempt to build their own model rockets. So it's fascinating to watch as they, as they attempt to learn things like uh, high level math and, and physics in order to make these rockets, uh, these rockets fly. And it's really a story about overcoming the difficulties in life and living out your dream and perseverance and grit and it's it's a really good movie and i would highly recommend it and it is currently on imdb imdb tv so you can watch it for free either through the imdb website or through if you have amazon prime you can get imdb tv through your amazon prime app so that would be my recommendation Excellent. And I have not seen that, so I may check that out as well. Yes, you should. It's very good. All right. Well, that is the show for this evening. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Film for Fans. If you did, like it, share it with your friends, 
visit our YouTube channel and see our wonderful faces as we talk about these movies. Uh, also visit filmforfans.com where we have great articles and recommendations and lots of other things like that. Go to it. It's cool. Uh, until next time, enjoy the movies.